Hello and welcome to Three Worlds podcast number 26. And uh, this is going to be another one of these where I play a recording from a tape of Sunbear. This is Sunbear talking in London in May 1986. And uh, the tape originally that it was on lasted about 45 minutes. And it's all about dreams and dreaming. So I hope you enjoy this and uh, settle back and listen to what Sunbear has to say. Okay, yesterday when we smudged, some people didn't seem to know what was happening. Uh, When you smudge, the way it is that the smoke is presented in front of you, and then it's your responsibility to cleanse yourself and your energy fields. And the way that is done is by taking and drawing the smoke to your body, over your head, and over your body in such a way as to get rid of anything that might be keeping you from getting on with it for the day. And that's, that's the way it's done so that, you know, it's, it's good to, they present the smoke to you and then you, you get on with it after that. That's basically what, how it all works. If uh, you were wondering, there's a particular way that we do when we go about smudging or any ceremonial things we go from left to right that's sunwise we call it so that's how come the smudging was taking place that way it's a a sacred way of uh, acknowledging the power of the sun and the direction of the forces the uh, this morning I want to share with you on dreaming And dreaming to me is a very important part of teaching and knowledge. Uh, To me, this is a way that the spirits are able to get to us when we're a little bit hard-headed otherwise and we can't hear during our daylight waking hours. Well, then, if we are praying and really seeking, well, the spirits will come to us in our dreams and give us direction and tell us what we're supposed to be doing with our lives. So it's a very important, important way of seeking and and bringing about power. See if we can put it out there a little bit before you get a forest fire going. It's hard to get it going sometimes and hard to get it stopped. Uh, the native people feel that uh, there are like with our people there are many many different. Dreamer societies where dreaming is a very important part of their teaching and where they teach their young people how to dream. So this is a very, very important way of of learning knowledge. Now what happens in in the dreaming thing is that my own approach to it is that I, when I go to sleep at night, I pray for powerful dreams that will give me direction and help me on my path so I can use that that time to find something there. And if it maybe sometimes I have a problem and I don't know how to work it out or I'm looking for a solution for something in my life and I will start praying for dreams that will help me on this. And their dreaming can come to you in in a very, very powerful manner because uh, there are certain spirit keepers that work with you 
And if you really are, are looking in the universe and you tune in, well, these will, will help you. Now, uh, among my tribe, the Ojibwe people, they also have what they call dream nets that they make. They make them with a, it looks sort of like a lacrosse or a tennis racket. It's a little net that's made over a willow. And it's a woven net, and they put them above their heads at night. And that's to catch their dreams so that you, the dream don't get away from you. So it, if you see one of those sometime in a museum and nobody else knows what it's good for, you'll know what it's good for now. Now, uh, I've had a, a, a lot of different dreams at different times that have helped me and given me a lot of direction in my life past, so I feel real strongly about this. And I'm going to share with you a little bit about that. Uh, one of the things that I do is I dream when I go to different countries. I dream for the country that I'm in. Uh, people sometimes ask me, they say, well, Sunbear, give us a dream and let, let us and see what you see about our country or our land where you're at. And a couple, three years back, I was here in, in London, and the people asked me to, to dream. And I prayed, and I had a very powerful dream. In about England, and what I saw was I saw a white stallion horse running freely over the hills and just running along very gracefully with his tail in the air and very happy, full of energy and everything. And I told people about this, and they told me that this was the spirit of ancient England, that this was the, to them, represented the, the original spirit of England. And the next day they took me out to a place north of the city here called the Ridgeway. And we went out there and they showed me this great white horse that was put into the hill up there. And so I felt really strongly about it and I prayed and I found a place over there. First I, I saw these, uh, uh, we were over in this one hill and over in the other hill was a, a horse and I knew by the by the way the energy felt that this one hill was where the people, uh, the majority of the people stayed and did their praying while the other the priests went over and prepared the ceremony and made the offerings over on the horse. And then I, we went down this uh, lane a little ways over there. There was a, a road going down and we come to this bunch of, of stones that were built in an area and they said these were used as a burial mound there. So I uh, laid down there and prayed and asked for to see what had been. And first I saw white oxen coming, and they had behind them, they had uh, poles extended behind them like the old uh, travois that were behind the uh, Plains Indian horses. And they were pulling these poles behind them, and they had them laced across behind the oxen. And they they were laced onto the oxen's horns, and then they were laced across behind the oxen. And on this, in one place, was uh, an old man was uh, was resting and riding on these. And on the other, uh, others behind, the next one behind, they were carrying a bunch of, of their household goods, it seemed like, on it. And then I, a little bit of time went by, and I saw again, and they were... This time they were coming along, they were white oxen, they were coming along the road and they were 
pulling uh, uh, oxen carts. They had carts that were had wooden wheels on them, and they were rolling along with these. And I knew that that was what what had happened on that along that road, that trail. And then I uh, went and laid down in another place in that same area, and I asked the spirit what uh, to give me give me more more feeling of things. And the voice come to me, and the voice said. Uh, who has changed the law? And I said, what? And the voice repeated it, said, who has changed the law? And I said, oh, I understand. What the voice was saying was that people were living as if the ancient law of respect for the mother had been taken and had been changed, that they weren't respecting this law of the sacred path anymore. And this is what, what I was told at that place. Uh, I went to Deutschland and Germany, and I had a dream over there, a very powerful dream. And in this dream, I found uh, I had found a skull of a wolf, and I was pulling, uh, and it had rotting flesh on it, and I was scraping the rotting flesh off with my fingers and cleaning the skull off, and. The uh, spirit told me that this skull was the ancient, represented the ancient power of, of Deutschland, of Germany. It represented the ancient spiritual power there. It was the wolf, that the wolf was the animal, that was the animal spirit of that land. And I was told that what had to happen in their land was that they had to scrape off the dead flesh, which was their political things, their political aspirations, and they had to come back to a spiritual path. And once they had their people turn to a total spiritual path, then they would have real power. But as long as they were trying to achieve their things through spirit, uh, political goals, they would still have this, this was the dead flesh that they had to tear away before they had their power. And so that was the dream that I had there. In Holland, I had a dream in which I saw a great tree. And this tree, the roots of it were very powerfully down into the ground and everything. And I was told that I could go to that tree and that people could go to this tree and renew themselves. And later on, I, I found this big oak tree there that had this, that was similar to the one that I saw in my dream. So I realized that the spirit was showing me the things of that. When I went to Australia, I was asked to dream there. The Australian people are very powerful into dreams, particularly the Aborigines of Australia. And they asked me to dream for them. And so I prayed and I had a dream there. And the dream I had in Australia was that I saw the water rising and the land sinking in this area. And I shared with them about this. And they said, yes, they said some of our psychics and some of our, our people have also seen this. And what I was seeing was a great tidal wave was going to hit this one area there. And that it would overflow over. There's like a sand dune up by the ocean. And some, there's some things there. This is what I saw in the dream. There was a rise there. But that these tidal waves would come over the land and that some of their land would be flooded there. And they had saw this also. So this is what in the dreams that I had there of those kind. Now, I've had dreams that have helped me in other ways also. Like I had a uh, another dream, a very interesting dream, and I had it in London here. This is why it's very interesting to me. Uh, London seems to be a good place for me to dream for some reason. And 
this was a dream uh, that I dreamt in which I was, uh, I had a book, my book, The Path of Power, and I was told in the dream to take this book and give it to a movie producer and that he would be interested in my work. And the in the dream, it, this producer lived along downside, alongside of some water, and I, I saw him very clearly in the dream, the producer, and I was given his name, and his name was George Lucas. And I hadn't, uh, the thing of it is that although I see movies, I never pay attention to, to the credits, you know, and I didn't, I didn't know whether this guy was around or not. And so I had, uh, I got back to the United States and I called the Screen Directors Guild because I always follow through on my dreams if I feel strongly about them. I called the Screen Directors Guild and I said, do you have a, a, a producer-director named George Lucas? They said, of course we do. And they said, well, what, what movies has he done? I thought maybe, you know, he'd be, be picture man or something. And he said, Star Wars and a few like that. And I said, oh, okay. And so... <laughs> I asked for an address that I could reach him at, and he gave me the address of his production company, and it was over in out of San Francisco, and it was on a in a town that was next to the ocean, so it was next to the water, so I knew I was still on course. So I had prepared a letter and everything, told him about the dream and the things that I was what I was looking at and involved in. And I sent him a copy of that book and another another book as well, a medicine wheel book. And uh, that was it, you know. I said, okay, spirit, I've done what I'm supposed to, I guess. That's all covered. And I didn't hear anything for him for about a month and a half, a couple months. And I got a letter from him thanking me for the books and stuff and, and from his uh, probably secretary, you know. Thank you, Mr. Lucas has received these and he appreciates them and all that bit. I said, well, that's, that's that then. And then I got a, it was a lady up in the Bay Area that was interested in doing a film about Indian medicine people. And she had been interviewing different Indian medicine uh, men and medicine women around in different areas, saying that she wanted to do this film. And... She mentioned also that she was going to be interviewing Sun Bear for it. And some of these people got freaked out because they think that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a strange person. I don't take in compromise and I don't fall into their category of what a native medicine man should be. You know, a medicine man should just shake his rattle and keep his mouth shut or, you know, or something like that. And so because I'm, I'm very, somewhat controversial, uh, they got freaked out. They said, oh, God, they said, you aren't going to have Sunbear in there. He's horrible. He does all these terrible things. He teaches honkies, you know, and he does all these wild things and so forth. And they were, they said, well, I couldn't be in a movie with Sunbear in it and everything some of them say, and they, they were really freaked out over it. So she got, she says, well, who is this Sunbear character? You know, who is this guy? You know, he's, he's really must be a strange one and everything. So she talked to another person and found out about me, and this person happened to be one of my apprentices. And... She went completely bonkers after she heard, you know, about everything I was doing and everything. And so she said, I want to do the movie just about Sunbear. And then she said, and, and, and then found out where she was going to get the financing. She's going to get the financing from George Lucas. 
So I say, okay, spirit, if that's the way it's going to be, that's the way it's going to be. Thank you, creator. Uh, <coughs> I had another interesting dream here, and this was in London also. Uh, this is sometime about, uh, well, it was last year, the last one I had, yeah. But the first first two dreams I had elsewhere. About six years ago, I had a dream in which the U.S., I, there was a spaceship flying like a, 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 through the air, and it had U.S. markings on it. It had U.S. flags on it and everything. It was flying. And it was firing uh, beams of light, like laser beams down. And wherever it would fire a beam, the ground would ignite, and, that would, and it was very powerful, you know. And then it got about... And then about two years back, I had the same dream. And I uh, saw the same ship and everything. And, and, by, and by that time, I was, beginning, I was aware of that, what the ship was because it was, looked very similar to what the U.S. calls the Challenger or the Columbia, you know, these space cruisers. And what I, I saw this dream then, and then, then when I was in London... Last year, I had this dream in which I, yeah, last year it was, in which I saw four of these space cruisers land on water. And I was told in the dream that they could land on water or they could land on ground. And when they landed, there was a businessman and an admiral, a U.S. admiral, sitting in this room with me. And I asked a businessman, I said, did you see that? I said, they're real, aren't they? And he says, of course they're real. And I asked the admiral, I said, did you see that? He says, I didn't see nothing. I said, oh, I guess I know where this guy's coming from, you know. And then I saw a computer printout on the program. You know, I saw this thing, this computer, and it showed printout and it said that in this printout said that this was the 2500 series R4 and that the R4 changed to, to different numbers in order to keep the code from being broken on it and it said that this was the uh, this was the thing and this was that this was the program that that was being developed for to develop the space umbrella and that what it they it said in the and the dream was that this would that the United States by 1987 considered that it would have developed the program far enough that it would be be immune from attack from the Russians. And the next uh, next week, I went to Germany. After that, I was over here, and we did a thing. That was when we were over walking in the Richmond Park. Remember? And <clears throat> next week, I went to Germany. And the Germans, they said that they were concerned because the Americans were not negotiating with the Russians and really, really caring whether they negotiated with the Russians or not because they felt they had the upper hand over them. And <clears throat> then when I got back to the United States, I found out that there was an article in the paper that said U.S. will have developed air umbrella by MPB, feel that they would have developed their space program by 1987 to where they wouldn't have to worry about the Russians anymore. And what the 2500 series, I, I, I asked about it, 
And then the Spirit told me that the 2500 series, it was called 2500 series because it was using the uh, Buck Rogers in the 25th century as their model for the pole program. And so that's why it's called the 2500 series. And so that's that was that kind of a dream. Now, the other thing is that I have found is that in the last while, I'm able to dream dreams and penetrate other people's dream consciousness. Well, I'm, I can be dreaming a dream, and then later on I get a call from somebody, and they call up and they say, well, you know, Sunbear, I had this powerful dream, and I dreamt this happening and this happening and everything, and I say, well, that's very interesting because I have had the same dream, you know. And it's something that has happened in very interesting ways in terms of it. Also that there's our helpers that work with me at night when I dream. And these helpers, they go out and they find people that they think I should be in touch with. And uh, these people sometimes don't even know me from anything. They have never even heard of me before, you know. Like I had a, uh, in the Bay Area, there's a man called up, he tracked me down. He's a computer engineer. And he says, I don't know, he says, if I'm crazy or what, he said. But he says, you come to me in a dream very powerfully. And he told me that I had to come and I had to come and learn from you things. He said, and I didn't even know if you existed. And so he had checked around and he found out that I was actually in this world and found out how to get in touch with me. And he's, uh, now he wants to apprentice with me. And he's, uh, he's a guy that, he says, I'm just a practical guy, son bear. He said, I don't really get into this stuff. He says, I don't know what you're about even, he says. But he says, I'm going to start finding out anyhow. And so he's, he's going to apprentice with me now. And I had uh, the one, and, and I had this one woman, she'd come to workshop, and she said, well, Sunbear, she said, I was told in a dream to buy your books. I said, well, gee, if I could get that one going, I'd really be doing good. <laughs> so she went and bought all my books and started in studying about what I was doing. And I had this... Uh, This man who had never heard of me also over in Seattle area and he was putting on an environmental fair. In fact, he was going to do two environmental fairs. And I come to him in a dream and told him that uh, the two people that were working with him were stealing from him. Two of the people that were working with him in partnership with him were stealing from him and that he should get rid of them. And he started in taking a look at him and he found out that they were stealing from him. And he had, at this time, he was he had uh, talked to one of the people who was working with him, his secretary there, and asked if she had ever heard of Sunbear. And she said, yes. She said, He's, uh, he does lectures and workshops. And, and uh, one of my friends went to one of his lectures. And he said, well, he said, I had this dream about him, he said, in which he told me a lot of things, he said. So he said, I want him to be the keynote speaker at my two environmental fairs. And that's where I ended up. So it's been a very, very powerful thing that these things happen this way. Now, another time what happened, and I, I get to where I, I really I feel very strongly that this is a very strong teaching, so I'm giving these things to you so that you understand about it. Because 
I had a man that it was this man where I used to he used to be at the Indian arts and craft shows where we'd do these western Indian and arts and craft shows and I would go there and set up a booth and I'd sell turquoise and silver jewelry and and craft items to take and make money for the tribe and I'd also sell my magazine mini smokes at that time it was called it's now called wildfire and when I come to him in this dream uh, four times in a row, four nights in a row, I come to him in a dream. And he had been buying, he'd buy the magazine from me when I'd come around his booth and he'd chuck it down in a box and forget about it, you know, take it home. And he had a box full of these that he'd collected from me, but he never read any of them. And I come to him in a dream four nights in a row and I kept shaking my finger at him. And he got freaked out and he got all these magazines out and started reading them and finding out what I was about and what I was trying to say to people. And he got he sold his house in Seattle and bought four acres out on an island up on the peninsula so that he could take and raise his own gardens and become self-sufficient like I was telling people to do in the magazine. And he'd, he'd done this and he said, Sunbear, he said, he said, you saved my life, he said, because the doctor said I was heading for a heart attack if I hadn't gotten out of the city. And he felt really strongly about it. And the next time I come to him, he said, he told me about these dreams. And he said, you really, you really come in strong when you want somebody to learn something. He said, I got, I got the message, he said. And <clears throat> it's something that frequently, very, very frequently, I get letters from people or I get... Or I get uh, uh, hear from them at workshops or something and have come into their dream consciousness and have taught them things and have helped them to you know to to grow into their power in different ways or I've I've been able to help them in other ways to to get their balance. Now there was a uh, the other power of dreams to me is if I need something I pray for a dream to help me. Like I had this, uh, I lived out in Reno, Nevada for a number of years. And Reno is a gambling town, it's a casino town. And six times I needed money, I had dreams. And the dream would tell me what casino to go to and what numbers to mark on kino ticket and between the first and the fifth kino race it would come up these numbers would come up and four times I won eleven hundred dollars twice and one once and won five hundred thirty five another time one hundred and twelve and if you can bank on your dreams you know you gotta believe in them so it, it's it's really a very very powerful thing and uh, another time I had a dream and I needed a needed uh, meat. We hadn't had any meat in the house for a while and I, and everybody was grumbling and I was feeling kind of sad about it too. And uh, so I prayed to the Creator. I said, Creator, you know, I'm, we're hungry for meat. We haven't had any meat in this house for a while. And that night I had a dream in which I saw two deer laying dead on the highway. It had been hit on this highway going north of Reno towards Susanville, California. So the next morning, I took one of my people, and we jumped in the car, and we drove up there. And sure enough, there were the deer just where they were in the dream. I loaded them in and said, thank you, great spirit. Thank you, great spirit. You know. 
So it's very important to understand about dreams. The dreams are very powerful teachers. My mother was a dreamer, and she got afraid of the power of dreaming. She got to where she went, and she was afraid of it because it was always it was powerful tragedies often that she dreamt about things of that nature. Uh, <clears throat> back in the 30s, this was back in 1933. There was a uh, she had a powerful dream in which it was a big big white house with a ladder on the outside of it, and she dreamt that a, a child was had been kidnapped, and she got very uh, she. She got so frightened over the dream that she woke up uh, from it. She <coughs> she went in to find out if me and my brother were okay, that we hadn't been taken or something happened because it was so vivid, the dream. And in the dream, the people were talking German because my mother's half German, so she understood it. She heard them talking German and everything in the dream. And the next day, my dad went to town. He bought a newspaper. He brought the newspaper out and put it in front of her, and he says, here's your dream. Right on the front page was the exact house that she saw in the dream with a ladder up against it. And it was the Lindbergh kidnapping case that happened during the 30s. And the people that were involved in it, the man that eventually was convicted of it, was a uh, German, and of course Lindbergh was German also. So it was a very, very powerful thing that happened. And she had another dream at one time that her uncle had died and that he was being brought home in a buckboard. That's a wagon that they had in those days. And um, four days later, her uncle come home that way. He'd been, he died, and she had saw it. So it's a very, very powerful thing. Now, uh, in dreams, there are different kinds of things that can come to you in dreams. Dreams can be, sometimes they can be prophetic. Sometimes they can be teaching you things. Sometimes they may have symbols in them. They may not, it may not be out, you know, might not be a, a clear type out of what, what's happening or going to happen for you, but there are symbols in there that might, might give you some, some lead into what, what's going to happen with you or for you. And uh, I am very, very strong about my dreams. Like if I have a high, heavy dream about something happening with somebody in the tribe, I always try to remember to tell them about it if I feel it is something that affects somebody in any way or any of my people. If I had a dream about anyone here, I would take and, you know, tell you about it because I feel strongly about it. Like what uh, happened one time, I had a dream and one of our people, Thunderbird Woman, got a traffic ticket for speeding, you know. And I didn't tell her about it and the next day she got the traffic ticket. <laughs> so I feel that it's a it's very powerful medicine. I also had a dream one time in which I had, I had this problem with my eye. My eye was all swelled up and it was really hurting me and, you know, and it kept swelling out. And, and I, had, I went to the doctor and they didn't, couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. They gave me some medicine to wash it with, but that wasn't really doing any good. And I had a dream in which Rolling Thunder, another medicine man, had come to me in the dream and he spit on his fingers. And he ran his fingers over with a spit over my eye, and my eye was healed. And the next morning, my eye was healed. So it's, I feel really, really strong about, about this power of dreams. Now, there are many medicine men and women <clears throat> that won't treat somebody for a sickness, a major illness, unless if they have a dream that tells them that they can do that. They dream, they pray and dream before they will go to, to treat somebody. And 
this is one of the things of it. Now, the Australian Aborigines are very strong in dreams also. And they say that, like when I visited them over there, they say they have 40,000 years of dream time behind them. And they go and whenever they talk about something, often talked about it, they say, well, this happened in the dream time. And they're, it's very, very powerful in their life. Like they will dream their, they dream their children before they're born. They will sit down and they pray and they dream and they see that child, what it will be like, if it be a boy or a girl and what, it, what his life path will be like and everything. And they see this all before the child is born. So they feel really strongly about, about working with dreams in this manner. And I feel like this is one of the things that I'm, I'm hoping to find ways of helping my apprentices to develop stronger energy about his dreaming because I feel that it's a very, very powerful way of teaching us and helping us to find our power. And it's something that more so now when, these, when there are heavy changes coming about, things happening in the world, it's becoming more and more important for people to learn how to dream. So that it's, it's something that, to me, I feel is good. Do you feel that the person who has the dream Yes, I think that you're the best interpreter. If, once, once you get to dreaming, it's good to you know. Sometimes, sometimes you may, it may not be all clear at the first time for you, but later on it comes along. But sometimes, sometimes other people can help you. Like when people go out on the vision quest, we we help them with their dreams. We prepare them for their dreams and prepare them for the things, and then we help them with them. But it, it, to me, it's it's a very powerful medicine. Wait. Anybody want to share anything on dreams here? Yeah, do, you, sorry, do you wake up when, when, when you're happy, you know, like when the dream's finished, do you wake up so that you can remember it? Because sometimes uh, I can remember dreaming a dream, and then I can remember thinking, well, shall I wake up now, or shall I, shall I wait until I wake up naturally? And I say, no, I'll wake up naturally. And then by the time I've woken up naturally, I've forgotten the dream. Uh, I have a method which I don't, you know, I, I don't know if, if I would recommend it to you, but it works for me. Is that I'm a, one of the things is you see me drink a lot of liquids all the time. Uh, that's my Indian alarm clock. I create an alarm clock, and so I go about, you know, for about four hours, and then I wake up, and that also helps me to change my dream patterns, so I don't have to be, you know, I'm not not going through if. If I'm having something that's going along and it's just not getting me anywhere, well, then I change my dream patterns or I can pray again and ask for another another dream. Uh, I, it, it's different different times. Sometimes I, I can control and direct my, and feel what, what I'm, I pray for my dreams to direct me. And I, I don't always record my dreams down. I don't always write them down. I just, if I feel it, they really are very powerful. Sometimes I write them down. But mostly, I, most of the time I remember them if they're powerful. Like I can remember them for years if they're real powerful. So I feel that, you know, if that's, that's... Now, the other thing is that sometimes you may have a dream, and that might not be your dream. It might not be your thoughts. It may be somebody's in... Like sometimes somebody in prison is having real strong troubles or struggles or something and they project that out 
and you dream it, you know. You'll dream that dream. You'll dream you're the person in the prison and you're going through a very intense experience and that person is, is thoughts or is so strong that they are projecting them out and they come to you in that way. You always have to be asleep to dream. No, I don't think so. Uh, you can have a dream like, you know, a daytime dream also. Sometimes you have that. Sometimes I'm just sort of centered in and the thing passes through me. <coughs> I often dream with uh, creatures, animals. What, what is that? That is always usually always good dreams. They are power animals. Animals are, represent power animals. <coughs> like an, whenever I dream of animals, I always think of that as being very good. Very good medicine. And I've had, I went through tests, training tests in dreams. Like I had, one time I dreamed all night long, and I was dreaming through this, and, they put, and the spirits were putting me through ten different tests I went through that night. And in one of them, they were sending these, these they, it was a place I was told to walk along this path, and they were shooting down, it was just like electronic, Beams were going down on both sides of me, and if I ever went over oh, this way or that, anyway, I'd be destroyed by it. And I was told to walk through this path, and I went through these ten tests, and then this spirit come to me, this big, powerful Mongolian, and he was he was looked like a, actually looked like one of the almost like one of the Japanese uh, wrestlers, you know, very very powerful. And he he'd come and he he bowed down to me, and he said, "You've completed now." And he took this, this uh, coconut butter, and he was wiping me down and, and oiling me with it and everything and to, to give me their protection, he said. And so it was a very powerful experience. And I've had, you know, like I get dreams like this sometimes when I'm having uh, on a special mission of power or something. Like I had another dream about uh, about a year ago. And in this dream, a man come to me, an Indian, and I was at a motel, and he come to me and he said, you have to come with me. And he was in a car and we took off, we were going very, going to go, driving very fast. I said, wait, I have to go back to the motel, I forgot something. I went back to my room at the motel, and I picked up these Indian blankets there, and I took the Indian blankets over to the desk clerk, and I told him, I said, I can't take these along because I'm going into the spirit world at this time. And so I got, and then I got back in the car with him. We went very fast. First place we stopped was down where there was a gully-like, you know, a, a, a valley-like. And we, I looked down below there and there were hundred, the feathers of a hundred eagles there. And I was told that I would be using those things in a spiritual way, that I, but, but that I should leave them there for now. And then I went on. And the next uh, thing, he took me into this place, and there were seven Indians there. And they were all uh, dressed in, in full Indian dress and everything. And six of the old-timers were there, and they ignored me and everything. They didn't, they, you know, they, some of them kind of nodded at me, but that was it. And he brought me this other man, and I had to fight this man and I had to kill him by breaking his jaw off because he was talking bad against me and other native teachers and everything and so I ripped his jaw and it's very interesting because four months later a man that had been 
doing a lot of this negative talk and everything, he passed on, he died. And the man who come to me in the dream, later on he come to me in real life, he's six, he's very big Indian, very, very recognizable. And he come to me and he's now working with me and trying to bring together some other native uh, teachers and, and some of the militants as well and getting them to come into harmony with working with me because he feels that what I'm doing is what has to happen. And so it's very interesting that, you know, the dream dream brings it together very powerfully. And I had, <clears throat> when I was over in Germany, I had two dreams that were interesting because in the one dream I was looking for an eagle feather to do a work with somebody with some healing. And then the dream, night before I'd had a dream in which I saw all of these elk uh, horns that were brought into this area. There was all these elk horns, and we were collecting up these elk horns and everything. And, and I said, okay, spirit, there's something here, but I don't know what it is. Uh, the next day, after these two dreams, I had them two in a row, the next day this lady took me from over at Kiel over to, a, uh, over to Hamburg, and we stopped at this uh, wildlife preserve. And we stopped this wildlife preserve, and the people that were managing it gave me two eagle feathers. And then all these horns, I looked around, and here's all these elk horns all around, up on the walls and, and, and different places there. And I said, okay, spirit, we got it covered again. Well, I feel feel very strongly about anything that is uh, teaching me, and, and that is a, a, a spiritual things or, or acting on things. I try my best if I'm given instruction in a dream, even though I might feel it. I might seem foolish to some people to do it, and I try to follow through on it, like I shared with you know about writing George Lucas or something like that. And I've had other <coughs> dreams like this where it, you know I've, I've followed through, and it's always been interesting. What I have here is I don't know what to, how to follow through. Uh -huh. I understood the symbolism; it seemed to be about something to do with a change in me. Mm -hmm. But it was like I was being shown what would happen. Uh -huh. but not what I needed to do oh. to be involved in making that happen. Well, maybe we can talk about it later on a little bit. For a group of people that uh, comes together to share their dreams, can you suggest uh, an approach uh, as to how a group of people can work together with, with their dreams? Uh, okay, one of the th ways that I tell people to work with developing their dreams and working together is that if you get a dream object, each one of you has a dream object. Uh, this is a power object. It can be a crystal. It can be uh, some other thing that is an object to you and to your people that you're working with there. And you can use this to give you power uh, to dream you ask for you ask the spirit to help you use that and before you go to bed at night you hold that and you pray with it it can be like I say a crystal or another rock or something like that that's empowered to help you in that way and then 
uh, <coughs> you can do things, and you can even probably, if you channel right, if you're, you're together enough, and people are really sincerely working on it, you can even have a group dream at times. Sometimes you can form into a thing of if you want to. If you, if you want to dream a, a solution to a problem or you want to dream for something, working with something. Question. Uh, it's not. It's it's a growing process. It's very much a growing process. I can like. I don't get my dreams always as I want them either, or like I don't always get instruction for what to do next in a vision or anything else. Sometimes I go for periods of time and the spirits don't have anything to do for me, and I just sort of dance along and I'm just just doing my thing. I'm doing my teaching, my work, and everything, but I'm not feeling any particularly important thing happening in my life, you know. And I feel, well, if that's what is happening at this time, that's all the spirits want for me to do. And I accept that. But uh, it's something that if you keep, you know, if you keep asking and keep keep moving, keep expanding, it, it, it happens to you. It's a growing process. It's not a... Uh, uh, it's a different, different reality, a different energy, and a different reality, and it's cultivating it. It's very important to to cultivate it. If you want to grow into a dreamer, you have to pray to become a dreamer. Oh, I had a very interesting dream. Thank you for reminding me. I had a dream. Uh, see, not last night, night before last. I had a dream, it was a very powerful dream, in which I was in this place, and there was an older woman there, and we had found these volumes of books, there was like 25 to 40 of them, of these books, and they was told that these were very special, and they were very magical books, they had, had magic, they were teaching people certain magics and formulas and ceremonies in it, and I was told that this was part <coughs> of 208 volumes that were written and were, were worked with different types of, of ancient magic and ceremonies and powers. And uh, I was told that the 7th and the 11th Earl were magicians. And I don't know what this means. Maybe somebody here might know what this means. That's why I'm glad you mentioned it to share with you. That the 7th and 11th Earl were magicians. This is what I was told in the in the uh, dream, and that the uh, and then I was told that these were they were five different categories that these that these things were gathered into, and that one of them was. And there, I'm afraid it ends. It fades out just at the point of him perhaps saying what the dream was. I hope you enjoy that. Um, some bear could kind of uh, talk and talk and talk and talk and uh, he had some good stories so anyway more another time um, you can email me 
I love getting your emails. Nick at sacredhoop.org. Uh, website for this is threeworlds.co.uk. Number three, not word three. Um, that's about it, really. Sacred Hoop magazine is sacredhoop.org. And uh, there'll be another podcast coming along in a while. Okay, I hope you enjoyed this one. Thanks. Bye-bye.